If you would, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to jump ship a little bit. Is that okay? Uh, We've been walking through the book of of Luke. And um, the last couple weeks I've been at camps and I've been speaking on in in the book of Ephesians. And as I was... I can't move at all, can I? Jeez. Yeah, I just dropped 16 down a little bit, and we'll call it good. Thank you. Anyone know sound? David, you know sound? No? Oh, come on, man. All right. As I was looking at the messages and, and, and talking, even at the camps and stuff, uh, I, I was thinking, man, this is it's pretty easy when you go to camps and you have 400 high schoolers in a room. Uh, to gain any kind of energy or, you know, to tell funny stories or, or whatever it may be. It's, it's pretty good as a, as a communicator. You can get in a groove with 400 high schoolers. You can get on the same page and, and get moving and going. And, and it's, a, it's a lot of energy when you have that many people in a room. And I, and I was talking to someone about Church Project. I was like, one of the hardest places to speak is here, Church Project. Like, it, it's, it's like, hi, front row. No, hey, front row. You know, it's, it's one of the hardest places to speak just because it's just, it's a smaller environment. And as I was thinking about Ephesians and, and given the verses and all that, God really convicted me on, on, on something in the midst of, it's just like He does it, right? In the midst of preparing these messages and in the midst of delivering them for junior hires and high schoolers and, and oftentimes in the midst of, I don't know how many messages I've even given on these verses alone, uh, God began to just really work in my heart and ask me a lot of questions as I was you know, giving them to high schoolers. And so t- um, today, I want to give you a summary of, of the five messages that I gave at camp. So I hope you have an hour and a half. No, not really. Remember, high schoolers have like a five-minute attention span, so we're, we're going to be okay. But I, I am going to give you a summary of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 24, is what I want to work through. And one of the things that I really pray as, as the pastor here, as, as a Christian man, as a teacher of the Word, is that the best that, that I can do and we at Church Project can do is, is we can stand up and we can preach the, the Word boldly. We can preach the Word boldly to the point where it just whets your appetite to want to know more of the stories in here, to lose yourself in the storyline, to find the face of Jesus in here, to see the truth in here, to have something that's guiding your life, the Bible. If we can get you more in love and more interested and in wanting to know the Bible, then I believe that we have done a pretty good job, and that's one of our main jobs. And in the midst of doing that, seeing the face of Jesus and following more in love with Him, if those two things can happen today, and you leave here saying, I've seen Jesus and I want to know more of Him, and I'm so hungry to know more of His Word, then it was a home run. And that's what we've been praying. I mean, from the beginning of Church Project, we've been praying that His Spirit would be in here. It would guide us. It would teach us. It would, it would spur us on to love and good deeds. It, it would activate in our life. And so, one of the ways that, that the, the Word activates in our life One of the ways that it comes alive in us is that we open it up and we study it and we read it and we put it in our hearts and we we focus on it and and we spend time on it. And one of the powerful ways to do that, and I want to do this for us today, is Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Um, it's, It's a verse that I want to pray over all of us right now before we even get into the message. And so this is my prayer for us right now, that that... Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. 
And so, God, I pray for all of us in this room. You are able to do more than we can ever ask or even than we can imagine in our lives, God. You have the power to do that. And it's your spirit that's at work in us. And so I pray today that, God, we would get lost in your power, that we would find you doing incredible things in our lives today. In your name we pray. Amen. So, to be fair for you, because we're just dropping in the middle of Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to verse 17. I think one of the most important contexts to put right here is the author. The author, Paul. And if you know what he, where he's writing from right now, he's writing from a Roman prison. He, 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 is, he is bound up, and he's writing this book, and he's giving these beautiful instructions, and he's writing it to the church at large. He's saying, this, this is what's happening, church at large. And this is how I want to encourage you. It's about 60 A.D., you know, after Jesus' death that this is written. And he comes in, and we, we drop ourselves right into verse 17 of chapter 4, and this is what it says. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as, live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Verse 18, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So one of the questions, I guess, if you want to title this message or whatever, is, is do you ever feel like you're in a rut? Do you, do you ever feel like you just, it, it's a deep rut? You, you can't get out of it. I mean, you've tried everything that you can. You don't know how you got in this rut. You don't even know where it's going, but it's a rut you don't want to be in. Have you ever been in a rut? I think of Paul. I think of him writing, I think of him writing this. I, I think of him in jail. I think of him, him trying to explain and encourage the churches as, as to the love of Jesus. And he himself had, had encountered this and he had, he had loved it. But there was probably times in Paul's life of an amazing man used by God that he found himself in a rut too. He didn't know how to get out. Like, he had tried everything. He, he's probably, I don't know, but I'm like, I'm in prison again? Like, how do I do this? Like, come on. Like, you know, I don't know what kind of ruts Paul was experiencing or what you're experiencing right here. But as he opens up and he says in verse 17 that, um, I, so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord. Insist on it in the Lord. I, I look at that and I think of just those words right there. Insist on it in the Lord. What is assist on it? Claim it. Demand it. Like, like grab it. Grab a hold of it. Just like a minute ago we prayed in Ephesians 3.20. We prayed that verse. We claimed that verse saying, God, you're powerful. Would you move in our life? Like please move in, your, in our life according to your power. And, and we, we, in a sense, we insist on that. God, we want that. We, we, sign me up for that. It's something that I can ask for and I openly receive. And so, as Paul's writing this, he says, so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord. Like, say, God, please, I, I, I want this, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Well, Gentiles is, is a Greek, it comes from the Greek word ethnos, and I don't know if I pronounce it right, but there you go. And, and it, and it kind of means nations, is, is what it means. There's a lot of different thoughts as to Gentiles, good people, bad people, whatever. I mean, you can, you can take this route forever and study it if you're really interested on the Gentiles. So I'll let you run and, and do that if you want to. Now, here's, here's the bottom line. These people, whether you think they're good, whether you think they're bad, whether you think their name means this or whatever it may be, okay, the, the fact is this, is in verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God 
because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Look at all those action words in there in verse 18. I mean, just look. These are dead words. Darkened in your understanding. Separate, separated. Ignorance. Hardening of the heart. All of that in one breath. And these people have found themselves in there. Basically, it means this. Their, their, their thinking has been poisoned. They have a futility of the mind because of all these things. We just got back from this long road trip, right? And Thursday night, Audra broke her hand in the swimming pool. You know, we're kind of tired. You know, I'm tired of eating food. I just want, like, fruit. <laughs> I just want something homemade, right? I'm just tired of it. And, and so we get up early, and we're leaving Amarillo. And Amarillo's weird. Like, Texas is kind of weird in their road systems, but Amarillo is really weird. They have, like a, like, a frontage road on the side of a main highway, and the highway is 75 miles an hour, and the frontage road's like 40 or something. And, and then, on, not only that, on the frontage road, there's, there's two ways. So, in essence, what you're doing is when you, when you exit off of a 75-mile-an-hour road, you have like, I don't know, 50 yards to see if there's any cars coming to get over two lanes and to get 40, 40 miles an hour, right? And, and I'm, I'm on the frontage road. I'm supposed to yield to these people, but I'm tired and I'm whatever, and, and it was totally my fault. But I basically cut this lady off because I would, wouldn't yield to her. So I'm on the frontage road going 40, and she's just... You know, and she comes in front of me, and I, I don't know how I missed her. Lauren's like, ah, you know, one of those things. The lady pulls over. I, I love it. I haven't been double-barreled in a while. But she pulled over, ran out of her car, and I turned. I started honking the horn so Zoe and Audrey wouldn't hear. And we kept driving, and she's just double-barreling me as we're, as we're you know, driving away. And, and then, so I was startled. I'm like, okay, bad, bad choice, Aaron. Not, not good. Like, that wasn't good thinking right there. And then over the next hour, I proceeded to do just dumb thing after dumb thing behind the wheel. You ever done that? No? No one here? I'm like, oh, a semi? I can pass him, no problem. About halfway through, I'm like, oh, no! You know, one of the, I mean, just dumb, dumb, dumb. Finally, about an hour into the trip, I'm like, Lauren, if we're going to be alive, it's because you're driving. So I just, I'm like, done. But my mind was poisoned. Like, my confidence, everything, it was done. And I, I think of these people, I think of this right here, and it says that what they're thinking is poisoned. They're done. It's futile for them to even think. Why? Why? Look at verse 18, because they are darkened in their understanding. And what? They're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to what? The hardening of their heart. Where do you think we're going today with this message? The hardening of the heart. What happens when you have a hard heart? What happens when your heart is not soft? I mean, just back it up. Read that verse backwards, what happens? It's not good. You know, Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. I don't know how many times in my life that I've thought, Oh God, I know better than you. Or I know your word is, is guiding me, but I just don't know that it's necessary in this point in my life. Or you know, I'm going to justify my action or something. And so in essence, I begin to ignore his instruction in my life. And I begin to ignore, ignore godly counsel in my life. And I begin to go my own way. And what am I doing? I, I'm hardening my heart. Which leads to all this terrible stuff. But, but John 10.10, 10, we know this verse. I say it all the time. says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it what to the full. And it comes down to our heart. What are we allowing our heart to be given to? 
the hardening of the heart. So Paula Abdul must have been somewhat on when she was singing about a cold-hearted snake. You know, I mean, there's there's something to that was Paula Abdul, right? I think so. Cold-hearted snake. Sorry, I want a dance party, man. I know. I'm just more looking at Shannon. She like knows all the songs in the whole world. So her and Lauren can sing to anything. So I mean, she she's somewhat on. I mean, man, we've been we've been hardening our heart from the beginning of time. We've been cho- we've chosen to go our own way. Pride has, has snuck in, and we know the decrees and we know the ways that we're supposed to live and and the way that God says to live. But something happens, and we think that we can float above the law, and and we begin to justify our actions and and just kind of make sense of the stuff that we want to do versus the stuff that we know that we should do and what we're doing is we're hardening our heart a little bit at a time and God says sure the, the, the Satan is coming he's going to kill still and destroy you he's going to deceive you he's going to water down this word he's, he's going to make you just just question its validity and soon your heart's going to be so hard that it's it, you're going to be far from him you know I, I think a lot of that is just pride in our life I, I think you know, sometimes I feel like I know better in life or I can figure out a way to, to make it in life. And so I don't need help, especially as a guy. Don't tell me what to do. You know, in the middle of my Amarillo, you know, brain fart of driving for an hour, Lauren was trying to give me instruction. That's the worst thing she could have done at that time, right? Because why? Pride in me. I knew that I was being dumb. I knew I was making stupid mistakes. But Lauren just said, Aaron, I'm like, shut up, you know? It's like pride. If pride comes in and it'll kill us, it'll harden our heart, it'll, it'll drive a wedge between what God has for us and our life and our relationship with Him and then the way Satan wants to kill, still, and destroy this. Um, let's, let's jump down to verse 19 here. Okay, I'll read 18. Again, they are darkened, darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge into every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. I mean, look at verse 19. Have you seen this happen in people's lives or have you experienced it in your own life? Where it's like when there's no rules, when there's anarchy, when there's just, it's like there's no rules. You can go and you can do whatever you want. You can live however you want. And I saw, I've seen this. And you know, one of the saddest cases I've seen this in is, is a, a guy that, um, that I know that went to a Bible college. He graduated with a degree. And, I, and it scares me. Seminary scares me a little bit. And Bible college scares me a little bit because what we do is we begin to take this and turn it very intellectual and when we turn this intellectual what that means is that some things here and you know we kind of remove the spirit from it and if we turn it intellectual we can begin to debate it and when we begin to debate it then some things the authenticity of it we you know I don't know you know maybe it's translated wrong or you know I'm not I'm not going to discount seminary I'm not going to discount education I'm not going to discount how intellectual this is but what I I do want to question is this is if we begin to um, jump on the authenticity of this and the validity of it and the power of God and Him writing on this, everything is permissible. We can do anything and everything. There's freedom to do anything and everything. And so, what am I getting at? I'm getting at the heart again. Even in talking about that, I'm getting about, I'm getting at the ruts. Have you ever found yourself in a rut? And so the question is, how is your heart right now? Is it hard? Is it soft? 
Because we see right now in just, this, in just these two verses that we've read that these Gentiles, these people, whatever you want to say about them, their mind has been poisoned because their heart is hard, it's not soft, and they're ignorant, they can't think, they're darkened, they're, they're separated from the life of God. And in verse 19, then they give their life over to all, everything, anything and everything. And just bring it on because their heart is hard from God. And that scares me. That scares me for my life. That scares me for the lives of Christians all around the world. If we give a little bit to Satan, it's not going to be enough. And he wants more. And he, he wants us to justify our actions. And, to, and more and more and more, he wants to take us down and destroy us. And so, there's the, the, the sad and the warning part of what I'm talking about today. But may I just now shift into a part that I think is going to be alive in us? All that was to ask, how's your heart? Is it soft or is it hard? Verse 20. And this is where you can sit up. This is where I've been praying God would work in us. That, however, (laughs) that, however, everything that we just talked about, that, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. See, we preach the love of Jesus here. We talk the love of Jesus here. You are here because God loves you. He's given you life. He's given you breath. And it says all that stuff that we just talked about, the hard life, the hard heart, all that, that, however, is not you. When you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is not you. So I want to ask you, that, however, is not the way you of life you have learned. So I want to ask you, what have you learned of Jesus? What do you know of Jesus? What do you know of our King, our Savior, our redeeming lover? What do you know of Him? May I tell you a couple things? And I'm going to go through them very fast because this is just what I want to do, okay? Um, Hebrews 13.8 says that our King is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you know that about our King? Do you know that? He wants to, he wants to grab your heart. He wants to grab your mind. And it says in Hebrews 13.8 that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He's not like the iPhone that changes every two weeks. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Revelations 22.13 says, He's the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. Again, He doesn't change. He's the first. He, and he's the first thing everyone, anyone knows. He's the last thing anyone and everyone will ever know. Revelations 22.13. That's my king. Is that your king? How about this? He created everything that exists. John 1.3. I'm trying to grow a pumpkin patch. It's going okay. But even though I plant it, and even though I water it, God feeds it. And it only exists because God is there. He created it's everything that we know. John 1, 3. Do you know this king? Is this your king? Is this the truth that you're letting come into your heart? Is this the truth that you're letting come into your mind? Romans 8, 35 says, Nothing can separate us from his love. Is this the king that you know? Nothing can, no, no matter what crime, no matter what bad thing that you do, nothing can separate you from his love. John 9, 1 through 7 says, Jesus, He heals the sick. Okay, John 8, 12, Jesus is the light of the world. This is my King. And I could go on forever talking about this King and giving Bible verses. And, and I encourage you, 
Grab your Bible. Study it. Know it. What, what is the king to you? What does he say he is to you? This is my king. And we get to verse 22. It says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life. That, that, old, that old way right there. To put your old self off which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So as we look at the combination of all these verses right here, we have people that are separated from the love of God because their heart is hard. They've lost understanding of who He is. When they've lost understanding of our redeeming Savior King, anything and everything is permissible for them to do. But us, once we've called on the name of the Lord and we've asked Him to come and take control of our life, we need to every day look at His face and take off our old self and put on our new self. And the way I think of it is this. Is what is your old self? Is it, is it the self that's addicted? Is it the self that's broken? Is it the self that has no confidence? Is it the self that feels alone and is depressed? Is it the self that um, just hates their life? Is it the self that questions their sexual identity? I mean, what is the old self? It's the self that Satan's coming in and whispering to you and trying to derail you from the love that God has for you. And every day, it takes us waking up And like we put on our pants and we put on our shirts, we should use these physical devices of clothes to remind us of how much God loves us. And not only that, to remind us that every day when we put on our clothes, our physical clothes, that we're putting on our new self in Christ. And when Satan comes to us in the middle of the day and he whispers those lies, and you know the lies because we buy them every day. We're not good enough or whatever lie Satan is whispering to you. We can look at that lie and speak directly to it and say, I'm sorry, Satan, you have no room here because I have my new self on, the self that is lost in Christ. You know, you know Christ, the one that redeems everything and loves everything, made everything, is the beginning and the end. And we begin to wrap our mind and soften our heart around the love of God because we know what happens when we harden our heart. And to believe the lies of Satan would be, again, to be hardening our heart. So our, our, our challenge or our encouragement here is to, to keep a soft heart, to renew our minds, to put on our new self. Because in our new self is where our ruts will be found to be taken away. Because no matter what we're doing, we're never going to be content unless we found our, find our identity in Jesus Christ and who He is. So who's the new us? We are free, Romans 8.2. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ, Ephesians 1.3. We are adopted as God's children, Ephesians 1.5 and 6. Our sins are taken away and we are forgiven, Ephesians 1.7. We are marked as belonging to God, Ephesians 1.13. We are God's masterpiece, Ephesians 2.10. We have eternal glory, 2 Timothy 2.10. Is this too many Bible verses? I mean, are you numb to the Bible verses yet? Are you numb to all this? I hope not. I, I, I hope it, what it, all it's doing is it's saying, okay, I don't understand what you're saying anymore, but there's a lot of good promises in here that I want, and I want to know these. I want to dig after these. I want to open this up. I want to study it, because my old self, just plain, it stinks. And my new self, I want to be lost in who Jesus is. I want that love, and I want that passion. 
our, etern- our, our, our words of encouragement, um, some of us may have the gift of encouragement where we can go around and encourage people. Well, I know, I know some of you do. And, and, and it's awesome to have that gift of encouragement. But even, even in, the, even in you know, just speaking about that, Sometimes we use our words and our voices, our earthly encouragement to encourage people. Here, 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 see if you know this movie, okay? Sweet Bike. What movie is that? Come on. Napoleon, okay. How about this? I like your sleeves. <laughs> I mean, earthly. I mean, if, if you've ever been encouraged by, by a human, then you're like, okay, that's cool, even though my sleeves are not big or, you know, or whatever. I mean, people can say nice things and it feels good to be encouraged. Everyone would agree. It feels good to be encouraged, to have positive things said about us. But I look at that and I just go, that is still just earthly words. Right? I could go around and say the most positive things about you all day long, but those are still just earthly words. How important is it to put the eternal truth into us? The word that never changes. How cool would it be to be encouraging each other in the eternal word of Jesus Christ and and to be speaking promises over each other and to be softening each other's heart in the love of Jesus Christ and saying, I'm taking off my old self and I'm putting on my new self. Um, I just want to end this um, with Ephesians 5 verse 1 because it all just kind of points down to here. And, and I don't know if you've been able to piece together this entire message or whatever, or if there's just been bits and pieces that have jumped out at you. The hope is, is that you're losing yourself in the identity of Jesus. And that's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. And it says, be imitators of God. Right? Therefore, as dearly loved children, then live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us. That's the goal. Because our actions will fail every day. We're never going to measure up or be the good Christian that we're supposed to be. We'll make dumb decisions and we won't yield to people when they're coming off the highway. Every day. It's just our reality. We're going to find ourselves in ruts constantly. We're going to get discouraged. We're going to be broken hearted. We're going to try our best and it's going to fail. (laughs) And at the end of the day, all those actions didn't even matter. The only thing that mattered is that we said, thank you Jesus for your love. And our goal, our every actions, our thoughts, we're trying to imitate Christ the best we could. Trying to say, God, I want to put on your love. I want to put on your eyes. I want to see the world that you see the world. When I'm wronged, I want to forgive someone like you have forgiven someone. When my heart is getting hard, God, would you please soften it? Because I know what a hard heart will do. And when we fail, we can go to Jesus and say, Jesus, please forgive me. I'm sorry. I want to line myself up with the way that you've asked me to live. I give my life to you again. I do that every day, by the way. I put on my new self. I take off my old self. I discount all the lies that Satan's trying to tell me. Because God, at the end of the day, Ephesians 5.1, I want to be an imitator of you. I want to love like you love. I want to live a life like you lived. Because I know no other life to live than that. 
If we could, um, I just want to kind of close this down. Just close your Bibles, and, and I'm going to give us some thoughts to, to think on. I guess we could we could ask some basic questions. Like some here, as, as we're just spending time with God and we're, we're, we're thinking on Him. Here's a basic question. When was the last time you picked up the Bible <laughs> and read it? Like intensely read it for the life that's in there. Just, God, I, I need this because it keeps my heart soft. When was the last time that you grabbed this and read it? Maybe some of us, that I mean, that could be our action point today if we need an action point, I guess. This is that we just should get in His Word more, put it more in our hearts. Some of us, we, I mean, as we talked about being darkened in our understanding and separated from God, we would say, that, that's, that's me today. I, I just don't understand who God is and I feel separated from Him. You know, as you sit here, I pray that, that God's Spirit would be speaking to you. And He'd be working in your heart. And if, and if you're the one that would say, God, I'm darkened in my understanding of you. I don't know who you are. Would you just have a conversation with Him right now, just quietly to yourself? Just say, God, I, I, I don't know who you are and I want to know more of you. He's powerful enough to show you who He is. The question is, are, are you willing to open your heart and have a soft heart towards Him or, or is your heart just hard at receiving His love? And some of us, as, as we were going through these verses, maybe God was showing us that, yeah, in all actuality, we have been justifying things in our life. Sins. You know, ones that won't hurt people too bad. We've been justifying some of our actions, some of our thoughts, some of the places that we've been going, some of the music we've been listening to, whatever it may be. We could go through a list of a million things, but the fact is this. Sometimes we actually justify those actions that we know go against God. And so are there there any of those in your life that just in this moment you can hold out your hands and say, God, I am so sorry for going against your word and I give it back to you, God. Please forgive me of, of the way I've been justifying and living life, just proud of my own. And God, I want to line my life up with you. But some of us, we really, we've been choosing to harden our hearts. That's just simply put. We know it. We may be angry. We may be angry at God. Whatever the case is, we've chosen to harden our heart. And it's affecting our life, isn't it? I mean, it's affecting it. We're capable of so much more love. We're capable of seeing the world in a more positive way. And we're capable of so much more. But this hardening of the heart is a disease that's killing us. And I don't know about you, but God, I I pray that you remove any hardening of my heart, that you soften my heart, that I would see the world the way that you do. And so have a conversation with God right now. Just say, God, would you please just soften my heart? I'm so sorry for choosing to have a hard heart.
What else is God whispering or showing you in here today? Are you done trying life on your own terms? Is it time to just give your life completely um, in control to Jesus and say, God, I'm, I'm sorry for going my own way and choosing against you. I ask you to forgive me of that. And God, I surrender control of my life to you. I'm, I'm done trying it on my own. I need you. I want you to be my liberating king. I want you to separate, to separate me from all the, the junk and the disease and the stuff that's in me that's not of you, God. What's God whispering to you right now? I'd like us just to go into a time of, of uh, worshiping God. And we can, we can do that multiple ways here. One, we have communion over on the right and, the, and towards the back of the table on your right. And some of us today, it may be that God is, I mean, He's showing us something really special today and He's breaking our hearts. I mean, He's doing something in us. And we could go and we could worship God through communion, just remembering again what He's done for us on the cross, how much, how, how, how much depths He went to to save us from this crippling disease that was leading us only to death, which is called sin. And has separated us from a perfect and holy God. And yet Jesus hung on the cross. He died on our behalf, so we wouldn't. He defeated death. And He rose victorious, a perfect life. Oh, and it cost. It cost, his, it cost His body, it cost His blood, it cost everything that He had. But He did it for us. So some of us, we maybe go and take a piece of bread today and just dip it in the grape juice and remember His body that was broken and His blood that was shed for us. Some of us, we may worship God through singing, just worshiping Him, holding our hands out, letting our words, our voices, our hearts cry out to Him. Because He is the liberating King. He's the one that gave us our new selves to put on. He's the one that gives us bounce in our step and freedom. And that's worth jumping and clapping and singing. Some of us who may need to pray with someone. And there's people in the back on the side that would love to pray with you. Really, I mean, love to pray with you. So if you're hurting and you need prayer, please, would, would, would you come and pray? And then God asks us as well, and this is a form of worship, to just give, give to Him of our tithes, our offerings. And over on that same table is our offering box. And you can, you can worship God by giving to Him faithfully, generously. Be people that are generous, not only in our words and our actions, but with our money, give to Him. Joyfully. Because it's a way to celebrate who He is and what He is doing in our life. There's nothing in our life that can separate us from the love of our King when we call on His name. And I pray that this moment right here is a special moment between you and your King. As you put on your new self, you soften your heart and you seek His face.